Tintillo again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1953-1954 season. This episode is our Rose Bowl episode. Jack does these almost every year. And uh, it's one of those neat things for me bringing you the shows pretty much uh, on the anniversary of when they aired. Because this way, it's sort of like we're talking about the Rose Bowl. Of course, in our reality in 2014, this is going to be, of course, we're going to 2014, uh, we have the Rose Bowl going on. And the Rose Bowl's been around since uh, 1902, I believe. And um, it's been the most widely attended sporting event, I think, since 1945. Uh, it's called the Granddaddy of Them All because it's the oldest of all the bowl games, and uh, it's always held on the first of the new year, or if the first is on a Sunday, it's held on the second of the new year, and it's been that's been done 14 different times, it's been on the second, I guess. Anyway, um, it's just neat for Jack to be talking about it at the same time that we're experiencing it in real time. It's just one of those things that I think makes listening to the podcasts or episodes uh, on the anniversary of, of when they first appeared, it just makes them link better and have more resonance to us as we listen to them now. Uh, I didn't realize that this would be one of those occasions. There's always surprises um, in doing it this way into what has more resonance. Um, I knew that, of course, the Christmas episodes and Thanksgiving and all the holidays would tie in. Also, the time of year... If it's spring and they're talking about uh, the flowers blooming and that sort of thing, it ties into what's going on with us. But I never really thought about the Rose Bowl, um, uh, Rose Bowl Parade and, of course, the Rose Bowl itself. Uh, but this is a neat uh, tie-in every year to what we're going through. Uh, also, the, of course, the new tenant skits tying in with the new year. So it's, it's just kind of um, a great time of, uh, time of year and a great time to enjoy Jack Benny. Um, also, Jack's birthday, uh, every time that comes up on, on Valentine's Day, it's just kind of a neat tie-in, too. So I'm glad I present the podcast this way. I'm glad so many of you enjoy that we present it in this fashion um, so we can go through the same time of year as Jack and Mary and the whole gang. Anyway, without further ado, here is the Rose Bowl episode. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, um, one more comment about the Rose Bowl I don't know how much it bugs you guys, but I, I am not thrilled with the fact that now, since 2011, it's been called the Rose Bowl Game, presented by Vizio. Uh, I do appreciate that, uh, for one, whoever knows, who knows what the reason, I don't know if Vizio would have done this if they allowed it to or not, but or if someone stopped it or whatever, but if it had been called the Vizio Bowl, that would be even worse. I mean, because some of the bowls are actually changing their name to their sponsor's name. But it just, it's just really annoying to me to have a company name inside of the the Sugar Bowl or whatever the bowl is. Um, you know, it's not horrible if it's presented by, but I think they have some that don't they have some that are the Tostitos Bowl and so forth. Um, anyway, 
I just find this corporate sponsorship of the bull names to not be um, great, in my opinion. And I'm just glad that we have the Super Bowl and not um, the, um, you know, whatever it is, the Doritos Bowl or something that they could change the name to. Um, but anyway, uh, that's that's just my own thing. And I don't know how much that bothers you folks, too. But you can always email me or you can tweet me over on Twitter now at BuckBenny. Um, and tell me what you think about the corporate sponsorship of all the different bowl games. Uh, but all that being the case, uh, hopefully for the Super Bowl, we get a chance to see the Seahawks go again. They just won their game this last week uh, on Sunday. And so now um, they get a week off, and then they get two home games uh, for the playoffs. If, when the, if they win those two home games, and they've only lost one home game in the past two years or so, uh, then they get to go to the Super Bowl. So that would be awesome to see my Seahawks go to the Super Bowl. Anyway, enjoy this episode. We'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. This is Don Wilson. Friends, there's no doubt about it. Smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Now, freshness is particularly important. For if a cigarette isn't truly fresh, it can't possibly give you the enjoyment it should. That's why every pack of Lucky's is extra tightly sealed to bring you Lucky's better taste in all its natural freshness. Yes, Lucky's do taste better because, first, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Then, too, Lucky's taste better because they're made better, made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. So, friends, smoke the cigarette that has better taste when it's made and then brings you all that better taste in a fresh cigarette. Yes, be happy. Go lucky. Ask for a carton of Lucky Strike and find out for yourself that Luckies really do taste better. Luckies taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike! Lucky Strike! Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, Friday was New Year's Day, and 1954 was ushered in by the nation's gridiron classic, the Rose Bowl game, between UCLA and Michigan State, before a record crowd of nearly 100,000 people. This game always produces statistics that are mulled over by sports lovers for weeks to come. How many yards each team gained by running, how many yards gained by passing, how many passes completed, how many intercepted. Yes, even the star of our show has been stunned by the amazing figures compiled by this football classic. A hundred thousand people at five dollars apiece. (laughs) 
gosh, what a game. Ah, must have been, Jack. It seems the Rose Bowl game gets more and more exciting every year. You're not kidding, Don. I can remember when it was only 80,000 people at $3 a piece. <laughs> anyway, Don, did you notice that play where Paul Cameron got the oh, ball? I didn't see the game, Jack. You didn't? Wait a minute, Don. I thought I saw you in Pasadena that morning. Well, you did, but I went right home. Believe me, I'm never going there again. Oh, cheer up, Don. Maybe next year you'll win the prize as the best float. <laughs> and take those roses out of your hair. You look silly. <laughs> Besides, I thought Hi, that... Jack. Hello, Don. Oh, hello, Bob. Hi, Bob. Jack and I were just talking about the big game, New Year's Day. You saw it, didn't you, Bob? Oh, sure. I haven't missed the game in the Rose Bowl since Bing bought it. <laughs> Bing? Bing bought the Rose Bowl? Well, not exactly. He bought Pasadena and they threw that in. <laughs> oh, well, Bob. Bob, as much as I like your brother, we're supposed to be doing a radio program. Now get your band ready. And... Jack, what kind of program are we going to do today? Well, Don, since this is our first show of the new year, I thought maybe we ought to do a sketch based... Oh, hello, Mary. Hi, Jack. Hi, fellas. Hello, Don. Hello, Mary. Glad you're feeling better. Yes, Mary. It's certainly good to have you back on the show. Well, Jack, I hated to miss last Sunday's program, but I had that thing that's been going around, Virus X. Yes, I know. That's why I sent over my doctor. Some doctor. Why? What's wrong? I've got news for you. He's a horse doctor. <laughs> he is not a horse doctor. He isn't, eh? When he got to my house, he threw a blanket over me and walked me around the room to cool me off. <laughs> no. When he started to braid my hair, I threw him out. <laughs> oh, well, and that explains it. You know, one day I called him up and told him my ankles hurt, and he sent me over four bandages. <laughs> well, anyway, Mary, didn't my doctor give you any advice at all? Yes. He told me I had virus X and I shouldn't run tomorrow. <laughs> Mary, I'm trying to be serious. What did he really tell you? Well, he said it wasn't dangerous, gave me a prescription, and charged me $10. Oh. And he told me that 300,000 people had virus X. 300,000 people at $10 a... <laughs> That's even better than football. Jack. Jack, what are you mumbling about? Nothing, nothing. Uh. Now, come on. This is our New Year's show, so let's get on with it. Hey, by the way, have any of you kids made your uh, New Year's resolutions? I have. Oh, you have, Don? Yeah, I made a resolution to cut my food in half. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It isn't good manners to take a whole turkey and stuff it in your mouth. <laughs> I've seen you do it, you know. No, 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 Jack. I'm serious about losing weight. I've given up bread, butter, and potatoes. Don, if you ever stop eating potatoes, Idaho will secede from the Union. <laughs> and speaking of resolutions, I hope that Dennis Day resolves not to annoy me anymore with those... Hey, by the way, Jack, where is Dennis? Oh, he won't be here for the show. He gets sillier every day. He sent me a note saying that he was in the hospital. Stupid kid expecting me to believe what he told me. Oh, now, wait just a minute, Jack. There's a lot of sickness going around. Dennis could be in the hospital. Having a baby? <laughs> uh, say, Jack, do you mind if I don't stay for the whole program? I'd like to leave early. Now, why? What do you have to do? Nothing. I just can't stand 30 minutes of this. <laughs> I don't blame you. 
Say, Bob, as long as Dennis isn't here, would you consider singing any Many kind times, of... many times, I have won. Wait for the orchestra! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Take it, fellas. What an eager beaver. Many times, many times I have wanted your kiss Many times I have dreamed We'd be kissing like this My heart has been filled With the thought of holding you I've dreamed it's so often, at last it's come true, with a smile, with a sigh, with a star up above, here we are, you and I, the beginning of love, while searching for heaven. I found it just then Take me there Many times again With a smile With a sigh With a star up above Here we are You and I The beginning of love while searching for heaven I found it just then take me there many times Crosby singing many times, and very good, Bob, very good. And now for an encore, I will sing... Bob, we only need one song. <laughs> That's all we ever have on a show. One song. <laughs> now look, kids, we've got a very important... Now who can that be? Come in. Hey, it's Mel Blank. I hope I'm not interrupting nothing, Mr. Blank. No, no. What do you want, Mel? Well, I wanted to tell you that I'm available again. Uh, available again? Yeah, I was sick with that virus, but Mr. Benny was kind enough to send over his doctor. Oh, Jack's doctor, eh? What'd he do for you? Oh, he gave me a shot, and now I feel fine. <laughs> well, Mel... Mel, I'm glad you're better again, and I'll keep you in mind if anything turns up. Huh? Thanks. Oh, oh, just a minute, Mel. Folks, give Mel Blank a great big hand. Will you? Uh, you, uh, you can go now, Mel. Oh, uh, Mr. Benny, I don't like to mention it, but this year you forgot to give me a Christmas present. You just got it. <laughs> so long, Mel. Hey, goodbye, Mr. Benny.
You know, Jack, I like Mel. He's always good for a laugh. Yeah, yeah he was sure the life of the party at my house New Year's Eve. Well, Don, we certainly had a great time. You can say that again, Bob. And Mary, well, Mary, well, I'm awfully Don. glad you were well enough to attend my party, too. Oh, so am I, Don. I had a wonderful time. But I haven't had a chance to tell you what happened after Jack and I left your house. Oh, Mary. What happened, Mary? Come on, tell me. Well, you... Mary, it's all over. Now, forget about her. I will not. Oh, Mary, don't tell him now, will you? I will. John, it was about two in the morning, and Jack was taking me home. Oh, gosh, it was a wonderful party. Yeah, Mary, sure was a great New Year's Eve party. And isn't it a lovely night out? Mm, sure is. What a beautiful sky. You know, the stars look so close, and they seem to be different colors. Red, pink, blue, yellow. That's confetti on your glasses. <laughs> oh, yes. Anyway, Mary, it was certainly a wonderful New Year's Eve party. We sure had a lot uh, of... Pardon me, folks, pardon me. Huh? What do you think I ought to get my wife for Christmas? Christmas? Mr. Christmas was a whole week ago. This is New Year's. You mean it's already 1949? <laughs> Look, it's 1954. Oh, my goodness. I better get home. <laughs> Everybody celebrates in his own way, I guess. Well, here's your house. Here's your house, Mary. Yeah. Mary. What is it, Jack? Well, since this is the new year, how about giving me a little kiss? Huh? Oh, Jack, let's not go through that again. You always get so emotional. I do not. You do, too. The last time I kissed you, you ran home, threw yourself across the bed, and cried for an hour. <laughs> Well, I always do when I drink too much. You had one glass of eggnog. Well, somebody spiked the nutmeg. <laughs> anyway, Mary... Well, good night, Jack, and a happy New Year. Good night, Mary. Hey, wait a minute, Mary. How would you like to go to the Rose Bowl game? Say, that'd be wonderful, but have you got tickets? No, but there's plenty of time. Look, the game doesn't start till tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow? It's already 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, don't worry about it. I'll get the tickets. Come on, let's go in your house. I want to use your phone. That's an old excuse, but I'll take a chance. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. Well, let's see. Who can I... Well, I'll be darned. There's the blanket. You weren't kidding about my doctor, were you? <laughs> Now, let's see, who can I get tickets from? Jack, you shouldn't call anyone. It's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but it's New Year's. Now, who can I call for tickets? Well, let me see now. Do you know Red Sanders, the coach of UCLA? Not very well. But wait a minute, I'm pretty friendly with Jess Hill, you know, the coach of USC. I'll call him. The USC coach? Oh, he may have... Wait a minute, Jack. You can't call Jess Hill at this hour. He may be asleep. What do you mean, asleep? He hasn't slept since the Notre Dame game. <laughs> but maybe he isn't in a good mood. Wait a minute. I know who'll let me have the extra tickets if he has any. Who? Ronald Coleman. Jack, you wouldn't call Mr. Coleman at this hour. Why not? This is New Year's Eve. Hand me the phone. Yada-dee-da-dum, da-dee-da-dum, da-dum, 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 da-d
the Ronald Coleman residence, Sherwood the butler speaking. Uh, Sherwood, this is Mr. Benny. May I speak to Mr. Coleman? Uh, Mr. Coleman is asleep, sir. Asleep already? Didn't he celebrate New Year's Eve? Oh, yes. We had a rip-roaring time here till almost nine o'clock. <laughs> Nine o'clock? How could you celebrate the New Year that early? We're on London time, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, Sherwood, the reason I call is to find out if Mr. Coleman has any extra tickets to the Rose Bowl. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't any. Oh. Well, in that case, Sherwood, I'm sorry I woke you up. But I do want to take this opportunity to wish you a happy New Year and that 1954 will be a year that you and yours will enjoy not only health and happiness... But every... I, I say, old chap, would you mind saying goodbye? There's a draft going up my nightshirt. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sorry. Goodbye, Sherwood. Goodbye. Uh, do you have any luck, Jack? No, the Coleman's didn't have any extra tickets. But they have cross ventilation. <laughs> what? Nothing, nothing. Jack, it's, it's after 2.30. I'm going to bed. Wait a minute, Mary. I just thought of something. For the Rose Bowl game, they always put about 6,000 tickets on public sale. All we have to do is go down and buy them at the box office. But, Jack, there'll be a million people there. All right, so look how early we'll be. Now, I'll call Rochester, have him pick us up in my car, and take us out to Pasadena. <laughs> We'll make this hill, Jack? Sure. Rochester, give it a little more gas. Okay. <laughs> we made it, Mary. You can hop in now. <laughs> Try to make some time, Rochester. Yes, sir. Uh... Say, Rochester, where were you when Mr. Benny called you? I was at a party on Central Avenue. Was the party over? Oh, no. In fact, it was getting bigger and bigger. Who gave it? I don't know. The people started, uh, died six years ago. <laughs> Rochester, you mean the party's been going on for six years? Longer than that. Some of the people there are still drinking near beer. <laughs> well, Rochester... Don't they know that prohibition was repealed? There's one old man there who doesn't even know it was started. <laughs> now, Rochester, I know a shortcut to Pasadena. Turn to the left on the next corner. Oh, wait a minute, Jack. If you turn left, you'll be going in the wrong direction. You should turn right. No, I think left. What do you think, Rochester? Straight ahead. <laughs> Look, there's a policeman on the corner. Stop the car and I'll ask him. Uh, pardon me, do we turn left here to get to the Rose Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> well, will this street take us to Pasadena? I don't know. <laughs> well, does it lead into the freeway? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know anything. A fine policeman you are. I'm not a policeman. Then why are you wearing that blue uniform? I'm a Western Union boy, but I look lousy in brown. <laughs> Drive on, Rochester, straight down this street, then turn left till we hit the freeway. 
Gee, what a crowd. Yeah. Here it is almost noon. We've been standing in this picket line for five hours. Yeah. Oh, look. Here comes the Rose Bowl band marching into the stadium. Oh, yeah. Exciting about a band at a football game. Yeah. Gee, I wish this ticket line would move. I want to make sure to. Hey, you back there, stop shoving. Wonder how long it'll be before we. I said stop shoving. I can't understand, Mary. People go to football games and it brings out the worst of. Look, I warned you twice. If you shove me once more, I'll drag you out of line. I can't help it, mister. People are pushing me. <laughs> I don't care if they are. Jack, control yourself. All right. Lucky for her, she's wearing glasses. <laughs> Say, Mary, I'm getting kind of hungry. Me too. I think there's a man selling hot dogs over there. Where? Oh, yes. Hey, mister, you with the hot dog. How many is your desire? Why, it's Mr. Kitzel! Happy New Year, Mr. Kitzel. Likewise, and season's greetings to you too, Miss Livingstone. <laughs> well, same to you, Mr. Kitzel. And you know, this is a coincidence. The first time we met you was at the Rose Bowl, and you were selling hot dogs then too. That was eight years ago. These are the same hot dogs. I had some left over. <laughs> well, if these hot dogs are eight years old, I don't think I want any. Mr. Bennett, to you I'll give the fresh ones, and they'll be only six cents apiece. Wait a minute. Hot dogs for only six cents a piece? Where do you get your meat? From a doctor in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Jack, that must be your horse doctor. Do you want the pickle in the middle and the mustard on top, or the mustard in the middle and our caro on top? <laughs> Mr. Kitzel, stop making jokes, and here's your money. Thank you, Mr. Benny, and a very happy New Year. Same to you. Same to you. 
Say, Mary, gee, this hot dog tastes good. Darn it, this line doesn't seem to move up at all. Boy, I sure hope we can get tickets. I'm so anxious to see the game. Hey, chum. (laughs) Chum. Huh? You say you want to get tickets? You say you want to see the game? Tell you when I'm going to do. Why? I got a pair of tickets smack on the 40-yard line. And you can have them for only 50 bucks. Darn right I'm choking. Look, mister, you got a nerve charging $50 for a pair of football tickets. That ain't nothing. I heard about a comedian who gives applause for Christmas presents. <laughs> That's beside the point. Hey, you back there, I warned you three times to stop shoving. If you don't, I'll... You what? Gee, somebody must have taken her place. <laughs> I took a place. I'm a husband. Well, congratulations. She's a lovely girl. Jack, Jack, move up. You're next to the ticket window. Oh, yes, yes. All right, mister. How many tickets do you want? Uh, How much are they? $5.50. Well? Here's my money, Jack. No, no. No, no, Mary. I'll pay for these. I'll buy my own. I've still got money left from the May Company. Okay. Uh, one ticket, mister, please. Uh, here you are. Uh, give me one ticket right next to hers. Here you are, and boy, you two lucky. Those are the last tickets. How do you like that, the last ticket? Come on, Mary, let's get out of here. Boy, are we lucky. I had my heart set all year on seeing this game, and now I'm going to see it. Come on, Mary, we're, we're over at Tunnel 16. Okay. Kind of chilly. I want to get a cup of coffee first. You want one, Mary? No, I don't want to get mixed up in that crowd. I'll go ahead and hold our seats. Okay. See you in a few minutes, Mary. Don't let them start the game without me. <laughs> Let's see where I can get the coffee. Oh, there's a stand over there. Yeah, da dee da dum da dee da dum da dum Oh, boy, I was up all night, stood in line for five hours, but it was worth it to get this ticket. Yeah, da dee da dum da dee da dum Hey, mister. Mister. Huh? How many tickets you got to the game? One. What'd you pay for it? Five fifty. I'll give you six dollars for it. What? Are you crazy? I've been looking forward to this game all year. I've been up all night calling people, begging people for tickets. I drove all the way down here from Beverly Hills in that traffic. I waited in line all night to get this ticket. I'll give you eight dollars. It's guys like you that always... How how much? Eight bucks. Mister, do me a favor, will you? What? There'll be a girl sitting next to you. Tell her you picked my pocket. Okay, here's your money. Thanks. So long, mister. Yada-dee-da-dum, da-dee-da-dum. Gee, I hate to miss that game. But then again, with this money, I can... Wait a minute. What kind of $5 bill did he give me? Look at the picture on it. Liberace. (laughs) On the other side is his brother, George. (laughs) Hey, mister, come back here. Come back here. Come back here with my ticket.
Jack will be back in just a minute. But first, a word from the sweetheart of Lucky Strike. Hi, friends. This is Dorothy Collins. You know, I'll bet that if someone asked you why you smoked, what it was exactly you liked about a cigarette, I'll bet the important word in your answer would be taste. Because, gee, isn't good taste what everybody wants in a cigarette? Smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. And there are two good reasons why that's true. In the first place, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Naturally mild, good-tasting tobacco. And second, Lucky's are made better to taste better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. And that, friends, is the whole story. That's exactly why Lucky's taste better, because Lucky's are made with fine tobacco and because they're made better. Why don't you try a carton soon? Be happy. Go Lucky. How about it? Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky's strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Well, anyway, Don, now you know I'll, I'll never go to another football game with Jack. I don't blame you, Mary. That smart guy buying my ticket with that phony $5 bill. I'd like to see him again. I tell him plenty. Well, drop into Ciro's tonight and you can. How do you know he's going to be there? I got a date with him. <laughs> How do you like that? Good night, folks. The Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Al Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. to bring to you the co-presidents of the what is the afternoon fine arts league Daisy and Mindy in Cold Sporter's great number Friendship Maestro If you're ever in a jam here I am Stacy and Mindy here with another fun episode of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. And this one is where Phil gives up smoking for the new year. And 
And food. And, and food and drink. And oh my goodness. This, I just had to laugh so hard at this because he just went about it the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> so many good intentions. Really, so many good intentions. But the poor guy, because like we said, he's, he's trying to give up smoking he's trying to give up alcohol and he's trying to go on a diet all at the same time one of those things just by itself is really big all three at once that's like someone who's never lifted weights before trying to bench press mm-hmm. a thousand pounds that's, that's it's a good analogy because it is <laughs> impossible <laughs> yeah it's not possible it's just really hard <laughs> yeah and so it's like i said the intentions are good because you know by this time, people know that smoking's not good for their health, that too much alcohol is not good, and and that, you know, air, diets have probably been around since the beginning of time, mm. and, <laughs> um, yeah, poor Phil. <laughs> yeah, he, he, uh, in modern day language, he gets hangry, which is, you know, you're angry and you're hateful <laughs> you're just mad that oh. you're hungry i thought it was uh, hungry and angered <laughs> what's that i thought it was hungry and angered but ha- it is angry oh okay hateful i get hateful maybe that's why okay that. yeah <laughs> some some people can get hateful but yeah. i mean for me part of what's going on here is just anytime you give up any type of addiction there is going to be a withdrawal period and he has not just one withdrawal period, but three all going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and because I mean, the even with food, people might not realize this, but you can still go through a withdrawal with a mm-hmm. food if you if you change your diet drastically, which he does, and and so there can be a period of time when you're feeling sick and irritable, and you know. It's it's not a fun time and to have all three going on at once. I just I just want to pat him on the head and say, Phil, Phil. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I it just I, it made me laugh several times because I've been there with giving up uh, carbs. I you know low carb uh-huh. diet works for me. Everything works different for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's just whatever works for you and my people cannot eat carbs for some reason and not <laughs> gain 50 pounds. But, uh, that, that first three days, it just, you, you just, it comes out of your system. Your body gets used to kind of the lower levels of carbs, the different carbs yep. that you're eating. And he goes through this phase of, or this moment with, uh, this kid and some candy. And I'm just like, dude, I've been there, but it was <laughs> like, it was chips. I wanted something like crunchy and uh-huh. salty and fried. And I was on like day two, which is the worst of the carb <laughs> withdrawal. And my stepdad was eating Fritos and I eventually was like, Hey, how's it going? This is pretty good, huh? Uh, you got like a lot of those. Can I, can I have some? <laughs> I didn't think you could have these. I'm like, give me that one. Like, you get so angry. Anyway, he does the same thing. I mean, it's like you start to kind of like lovey-dovey up on it. And then when you're not getting what you want, you're like, hey, hey. <laughs> We're not Can it turn me now? <laughs> I just thought it was great. It was yeah. And so I think the episode does. 
a really good job of showing what, what happens to someone when they try to do this and but still keeping it humorous you know mm-hmm. um so you have the comic relief and the reality intertwined together and um and the fact he keeps a diary throughout just cracks me up because i was just wait, about to say that the yeah. food diary <laughs> like to me that's what made it kind of like i i don't know just another layer of funny because yes it, he's just pouring out his pitiful <laughs> hungry soul <laughs> to the pages it's just great Yes, I agree. And I mean, as to the diet he was on, I'm I'm sorry, but those kind of diets are not good. He was basically starving himself. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think that was the the main way to do it back then. I could be wrong, pro- but like yeah. calorie restriction was, uh-huh. I guess, the dominant <laughs> approach back then. Yeah, I mean, for a, a lot of diets nowadays, it still is. But I mean, studies show that that's not the most effective way is it's a matter of eating not restricting calories but um eating the right foods for your body and, and like mm-hmm. you said different body types need different types of fuel and so that's why you'll have some people that say the paleo diet works wonders for them and other people are like uh uh-uh, you know yeah. <laughs> or yeah, the uh, you know the atkins whatever diet that is or it's just it's, it's a matter of finding out which diet works best for you but for anyone starving yourself it's not the right. diet you might lose weight but you will not be happy and yeah. you'll probably gain it back once you've gotten to the weight you want oh absolutely yeah it's, it's good for like a crash diet if you need to lose 10 pounds quick but it's not healthy <laughs> yeah it's Eating... <laughs> well he says one lentil lentil is one of my favorite things they're they're just a really great little food. I, just, I love them. But when he, he makes a reference to eating one lentil, that's like, I mean, like you breathe in more food than that. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, no wonder you can't walk. Yeah. Insane. So anyway. it's, uh, I mean, it just, just his whole experience with this is, it's, like I said, it's, it's funny and it's real and I think it's also a good lesson for all of us listening that if you are going to give up something for the new years, you know, just do it one at a time. Start <laughs> start with one thing because really three at once is just too much. <laughs> and I, I think it's one of those things too that as you get better at one thing, you start to almost naturally start to work on the other things instead of mm-hmm. it being forced. Like if, if you had chosen just smoking, and started to feel better from that, then, you know, maybe he would have made a healthier choice in what he ate the following day or, so, you know, mm-hmm. in the days following, just because it seemed like the natural thing to do, not because he was trying to force it. So if there's yeah. any takeaway from this episode, <laughs> when you plan your New Year's resolutions, please be, <laughs> what's the right word, uh, realistic with them and, and not Give yourself overlook. a chance. <laughs> yeah, give yourself a fair chance. <laughs> Don't be uh, like Phil. <laughs> yes. So um, that's basically what I wanted to talk about with this episode was the whole resolutions thing and um and the diet and and stuff so i i don't know did you have any other thoughts on it mindy no this is only i think my second time listening to uh this show and it it's so funny like they're 
everybody <laughs> on there is just so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And even in kind of ridiculous situations, there's almost uh, it, it's there's a restraint to it that makes it even funnier because it makes it more realistic. <laughs> it isn't like crazy screaming, blah, you know, it's, oh. a, it's an actual person reacting strongly to things. I think Yeah, uh, he does a really, really good job. All the actors do, but he in particular has quickly become a, a favorite of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like I've said before, this show is like, one of it's in my top two. There's Jack Benny and Phil Harrison out of space. So. <laughs> and I, I just love this show. So it's really fun for me to be able to introduce these with Mindy. And um, I'm looking forward to the rest of, well, going into this new year, introducing them because I think it will be just a lot of fun. Because yeah. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> and I love all the actors. They do a wonderful job. And with that being said, let's go ahead and let you listen to this wonderful show about New Year's resolutions. And again, as we all sit down to make our own resolutions, let's be realistic. And I would say also make sure to put some fun resolutions in there too. So you have things to look forward to as well. All right. Ciao, everyone. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music and first in television, presents the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, transcribed, written by Jack Douglas and Marvin Fisher, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, John Hubbard, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, with the orchestra under the direction of Skip Martin, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. But first, a word from RCA Victor. It's a rare New Year's resolution that lasts throughout the year. But owners of America's finest television, RCA Victor, who resolve to get America's finest service throughout the year, are indeed fortunate. All they have to do is buy an RCA Victor factory service contract and let America's finest factory service technicians keep that New Year's resolution for them. It's a wise resolution, really, because America's finest television deserves America's finest service. And RCA Television plus an RCA Victor factory service contract is television's greatest combination. Resolve this year to enjoy television at its very peak of performance. Choose RCA Victor Television and make sure you get the finest installation, service, and repair by RCA's own technicians. Remember, though, whether you own a contract or not, a phone call to your local RCA service branch will bring a trained technician to service your set. stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today is January 1st, 1954, New Year's Day, and most people are sitting around resting up from the holidays, but not Phil Harris. We find him at his desk in the den, very busily engaged. Now, let me see. I'm going to start 1954 off with a clean slate. So the first thing I'll do is to clean out this desk. 
It's a mess. Man, man, look at this stuff in here. Let's see. A guide to the movie star's home. <laughs> An orchestra baton autographed by Ina Ray Hutton. <laughs> Here's an old phonograph record. Tex Ritter singing, My ranch house is in the sky, so be careful when you step out the door. <laughs> that tune never got any place. I can't understand it either. It's such a lovely melody. Oh, here's a book. Let's see. A shortcut to successful harmonica playing. <laughs> With a special chart showing which teeth to blow through. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here's an invitation to a violin recital at Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> I was sorry I had to miss that, I remember. I better not throw any of this stuff away. You can never tell when you might need something. Hi, Curly. Happy New Year. Well, Elliot, same to you. Come on in. Curly, I don't understand this. You don't understand what? Well, it's New Year's Day, the day after New Year's Eve. And here you are, as bright and shiny as the seat of a bus driver's pants. <laughs> well, what about it? What about it? Let's face it, Curly. Usually you spend the morning after New Year's Eve calling every hospital in town to see if you're there. <laughs> oh, no, sir, not this year, Rodney. Alice and I played it real cool last night. We stayed home watching television till midnight at which time we split a bottle of diatonic buttermilk. Uh-huh. Then how come you got that wet towel wrapped around your head? Oh, that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can explain that. Although I was a law-abiding citizen last night, my neighbor next door was throwing a brawl to end all brawls. I couldn't sleep, so along about 12.30, I went over and had a nice neighborly chat with him and then came home. What time did you get home? Seven o'clock this morning. <laughs> That's quite a little chat. Well, I really left my neighbor's house at 6.30, but it took me a half hour to cross the alley. <laughs> a half an hour to cross an alley? Well, I did it the hard way. <laughs> I walked across on the clothesline. <laughs> Carrying a Japanese parasol I would have made it much sooner But halfway across I met another Japanese Going the other way Why are you so busy Working on a holiday, Curly? I'm just getting things Neat and orderly I'm not going to go into 1954 in no sloppy manner First thing I'm doing Is answering this mail Man, has it been piling up Well, I'll help you Hey, here's a nice fat one uh-oh, it's a bill And they say if you don't pay it pretty soon They're going to sue you Let me see that yeah. What are they complaining about? This is only January And that's a bill from November November 1949 <laughs> <laughs> The Water Softener Company Says you own $250 $250 for softening the water? I like it that way <laughs> For $250, I'll come over and give you a bath in tapioca 
with a marshmallow rub. <laughs> All right, just get on with the mail, huh? What's the next one? Um, that's a New Year's card. It's from your insurance company, the Plymouth Rock Mutual. <laughs> Read it, Elliot. May I? Uh, may we wish you season's greetings upon this New Year day... We received your insurance premiums. There's nothing more to pay. So let the New Year bells ring out from Frisco to Nantucket. Happy New Year. You're all paid up in case you kick the bucket. <laughs> You'll go a long way before you find a sweeter sentiment than that. Now, the next thing on my list is resolutions for the New Year. Because this year, it's going to be different. Oh, Curly, why do you go through that childish thing every year? You never keep them. Elliot, how can you say a thing like that? Oh, hello, Alice. Phil lived up to his resolutions last year. I've got them written down right here. And he's kept every one of them. I like resolutions. They improve you. Mm -hmm. Listen to the first one. Quote, During 1953, I, Phil Harris, will refrain from getting into any fights with Rocky Marciano. <laughs> There's one that'll improve you Yeah, I got a willpower like I Number two During 1953, I, Phil Harris Will take care of my beautiful body Alice, it does not say beautiful body It says lovely All right <laughs> But I'm well, going look, now I'll leave you two to figure out your New Year's resolutions. I'm going to fix some lunch. Okay, okay, honey. You know what I'm going to do, Elliot? What are you going to do? This year, for once, I'm going to prove to everybody that I have got real willpower. I'm going to quit smoking. <laughs> quit smoking? Curly, that's impossible. You smoke two and a half packs a day. That's right, that's right. And just to make it real tough, I am going on a diet and lose 10 pounds. Oh, Curly, you mean both at the same time? Yeah. Oh, you've said that four million times. Wait a minute now, wait a minute. I mean it this time. You see, Elliot, I'm now a motion picture actor. And when I appear on the screen, I must look my best. And smoking makes my eyes bloodshot. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Curly, quitting smoking you might get away with, but not the two together. You can't give up food, too. You're a big man with a knife and a fork. Look, Elliot, I'm no more fond of food than anybody else. Are you kidding? How about Christmas dinner? Normal people carve a turkey. You clobber it. Bill, <laughs> you... Elliot, I've got your luncheon already. Be right there, honey. Come on, Elliot, let's have lunch, and I'll tell you all about the diet thing while we're eating. Come Just on. a second, Curly. You gotta either diet or you don't diet. What do you mean? You gotta start now. You gotta turn down that lunch. Turn down the lunch? Yeah, you can't eat any more of Alice's cooking. I know a little health food restaurant where you can eat anything you want and you don't gain weight. Oh, Phil, come on. Your lunch is ready. Tell her, Curly. Now is the time. Yeah, I guess you're right. I gotta use my willpower. Phil! No, Alice, uh, I don't want any lunch. Oh, Elliot, this is murder, real murder. <laughs> you see, I have to eat or my nerves get jumpy. Quick, Elliot, give me a cigarette. No cigarette, Curly. You swore off smoking. Oh, great. I can't eat and I can't smoke. 
Let's face it, Elliot. There's nothing left for me to do but to poison myself. That's out, too. You can't drink either. <laughs> Come on, Marlin. I'll take you to that health food restaurant. Well, Curly, I know it isn't much to look at, but the food here is guaranteed to have all the calories removed. Anybody that has any health problems comes here. Yeah, yeah. Some of them look like they just made it. A <laughs> load of them customers. It looks like the reject room at Mayo Brothers. <laughs> Curly, please, no snap judgments. Look, there's a guy just got up from the table. Why don't you ask him how he enjoyed his meal? Yeah, that's an idea. Hey, uh, mister, do you eat here all the time? Yes, I've been eating here for two years now, and it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I never felt better in my life. <laughs> in fact, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> Come over sometime when we're cleaning the Venetian blinds. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, mister. Uh, goodbye, Sonny. I don't want a ricochet romance. I don't want a ricochet love. <laughs> Look, Elliot, on second thought, I'm too nervous to eat. I haven't had a cigarette for so long. I'm going outside and enjoy a deep breath of smog. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Curly. You gotta stick with this if you wanna lose well, that weight. Well, well, gentlemen, how do you do? And welcome to the vitamin nook. I'm Miss Quimby, your food counselor. I'm going to suggest a menu for you, but first I want you to step over to our bar. <laughs> bar? Yes, we always start off with a cocktail. And you're in luck because today's special cocktail is the Zimby. <laughs> it's composed of one pot carrot juice, one pot kumquat juice, two pots turnip juice, and just a dash of cabbage squeezings, and uh, topped off with a glob of Bulgarian sour cream. <laughs> now, isn't your tummy just waiting for that? Lady, it's in a crouching position. <laughs> We haven't begun to whet your appetite yet. Guess what the first course in our luncheon is. Oh, you never guess. I could, but I'm afraid I'd be right. <laughs> it's a salad I created myself called the Sheep Herder's Delight. <laughs> it contains watercress, bamboo shoots, clover spinach, radish tops, and alfalfa. <laughs> What are we going to do, eat or graze? <laughs> why, why don't you two gentlemen sit down at this cozy little table here and I'll be right back with everything. Well, 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 I'm proud of you. Not a muscle left on your plate. <laughs> you know, I prepared the main course personally myself. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Wasn't it delicious? All the ingredients are put in a large wooden bowl and tossed. 
tossed, it tasted more like something that Mickey Mantle threw in from center field. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen, very much. And do come again. Good day. <laughs> Dear Diary, this is the fourth day. Don't know how I'd do it. My lunch at the health restaurant today consisted of a small lentil, a peeled grape, and a spoonful of sunflower seeds. Washed down with a shot of dandelion broth. But don't worry, dear diary I'm gonna make it Signed, anxious <laughs> Dear diary This is the fifth day No food, no cigarettes I think my nerves are beginning to crack Usually when I go to bed I dream of Ava Gardner <laughs> Last night I dreamed about her again But this time instead of a bathing suit She was wearing a wraparound pork chop <laughs> Never thought I'd get that hungry Thirteenth day I'm reaching the danger point Things are getting distorted And all out of proportion Like this morning I was sitting on one side of the room And Alice was sitting on the other side of the room When all of a sudden oh, What was that? What was that? I'm sewing and I dropped my thimble <laughs> Oh Phil, Phil, what's the matter with you lately? What makes you so jittery? I'm not jittery. Yes, you are. You're jittery and you act frightened. Frightened? I'm not frightened. You are too. Now, what's the matter? Come on out of the fireplace and tell Mom. <laughs> what are you quivering so for? I'm not quivering. You certainly are. And what is that you're hiding behind you? Let me see. I won't. You will too. Now, let me see that I... Fail. I cut it out of a magazine A picture of a stack of Aunt Jemima pancakes <laughs> I know it and I think they're beautiful <laughs> That syrup looks so real Honey, what's come over you? Oh, leave me alone Well, diary, it's the 14th day I just couldn't stand it any longer in the house So I took a walk A brisk walk Hello, Mr. Harris Huh? Oh Hello, Tommy I'm... I'm kind of tired You mind if I sit down on the curb with you? Mr. Harris, come right ahead. 
You got a candy bar there, ain't you? <laughs> yeah, it's an old Henry bar. And it sure is good, too. It's got marshmallow in the center and got a lot of caramel around it. Then comes a bunch of pecans and then some more caramel and marshmallow. And there's a lot of peanuts all around that. And the whole thing is chocolate coated. With chocolate. Who asked you? <laughs> You know, eat that whole bar all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, and when I finish this one, I got a fudgeola, a creamy crunch, a walnut wonder, a, a nutty nougat, and I'm gonna eat them all. Look at him, eight years old and already he's a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> hey, Tommy, buddy. Uh, hey, Thomas. I'd like to have a little talk with you. Haven't we, uh... Come over here, Tommy. Come over closer to me. That's it. Hey, Tom, old buddy. Haven't we always been pals? In fact, we've been more than pals. We've been buddies, haven't we? Tommy and Phil. Phil and Tommy. <laughs> Our relationship's been just like father and son. Boy, you're mine. <laughs> boy, you're mine. Dear little boy. Mr. Harris, get your hand out of my pocket. <laughs> the candy's on the other side. Oh, <laughs> Excuse me. Well, so long. See you later, Dad. <laughs> Dear diary, it's the 15th day of my diet and I've lost nine pounds and 13 ounces. That's what I weighed when I was born. Boy, only three ounces to go. I would have lost those three ounces too, but I cheated a little at the Rose Bowl game. I ate two pom-poms and the chrysanthemum. now 12 o'clock at night. I'm sitting here all alone in my rocking chair. And to keep my mind off of smoking and eating, I just drank 22 glasses of water. That's a lot of water. Maybe I better stop rocking. I feel kind of lightheaded. Maybe I won't make it after all. Maybe I should have something to give me a little strength. I know what I'll do. I'll sneak into the kitchen quietly and have one little cracker. Yeah, a cracker. Oh, there they are. I'm just going to have one, but I'll make it last. First, I'll lick off the salt. <laughs> then I'll nip just a corner. Anybody home? I've run the groceries! Hey, Mr. Harris, what are you doing in the kitchen? 
kitchen at midnight. It's my kitchen, ain't it? <laughs> and what are you doing driving your grocery truck up to my house at this hour? Where have you been? I took a shortcut through a drive-in movie. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You got a kind of guilty look on your face. What have you been up to, Jesse James? <laughs> you wouldn't understand, Julius. There's too many ramifications. Ramifications? Well, cut me in half and call me Funkin' Wagnalls. <laughs> Come on, what are you covering up? Shh, will you keep quiet, Julius? Keep it down. It's just a... Well, it's a little thing I've been trying to keep from Alice. It's... Well, I've been doing something, and I... Well, I cheated a little. Aha! Now it comes out! Cheating on a woman I love! Now, wait a minute! <laughs> When I married Alice, she was a movie star at 20th Century Fox. That's out in the country, ain't it? <laughs> Look, will you listen to me, Julius? You're gonna wake up Alice. I'd like to wake her up and expose you for just what you are. You're unprincipled, avaricious, and an unmitigated practitioner of chicanery. All right, I accept your apology. <laughs> Look, Julius, I got no time for this. I've been under a terrific strain. I'm desperate. Now, don't give me no more trouble or I'll... You've got a wild look in your eyes. Don't come any closer or I'll let you have it with this bottle of vinegar. Julius, I'm warning you. Take your filthy hands off of me, you... Help! Please! Murder! Help! <laughs> What's going on here? Phil, what are you doing to Julius? Alice, I just came out to the kitchen to get something to eat, and this oh, guy... Well, golly, Miss Faye, I guess there's been a misunderstanding. I thought... Look, wh why don't you run along, Julius? I'll put Mr. Harris to bed. Okay, but don't forget to close the lid. <laughs> now, Phil... Honey, honey, I... I didn't want to tell you until I made good. I've been on a diet and I quit smoking. And for the last two weeks, I've been as nervous as a bearded lady mowing the lawn. <laughs> Well, gee, how about the waistline, honey? Wasn't it worth starving for? Well, I wish I could say yes, Phil, but I've got some news for you. Your director, Bill Wellman, just called, and he looked at the last ten days of film, and he said he's going to have to shoot it all over again because you look so scrawny. <laughs> you mean... Mm-hmm. They can't continue till you gain at least ten pounds. Oh, honey, will you say that just once more? You've got to gain ten pounds. All right, quick, honey, hand me a cigarette, will you? Thanks. <laughs> Oh, man, that's right. Honey, you lit the end with the filter on it. Yeah, how do you like that? Up till now, I've been throwing away the best part. <laughs> Honey, there's one more thing. When my mail comes tomorrow, will you put it inside the refrigerator? Why? Because that's going to be my address for the next three days. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Hey, Curly, what are you doing? I'm starting the new year outright, Elliot. Take an inventory of my Christmas gifts. Now, let me see. One Joe Miller joke book. From Alice? From my sponsor. Uh. 
and six ties, four shirts, and my bonus. Hmm. Hmm, about $30. Cash for Christmas. Wonderful. What are we going to do with it? The question is, what am I going to do with it? How about a pair of slacks size 34? I don't wear 34. I do. Look, look, I want to buy something really useful, something I can enjoy for years and years. Oh, well, and the best you can do is turn your Christmas cash into an RCA Victor radio. Now you're using your noodle. And here's the man with the facts, Bill Foreman. Hey, Bill. Yes, Bill. Can I get an RCA Victor radio for about 20 or $30? You sure can, Phil, even less. A table radio that'd be swell for the kitchen costs as little as $19.95. For a few dollars more, you can get a clock radio that'll wake you to music instead of that threshing machine you call an alarm clock. Or what about an RCA Victor portable radio? That's a pretty big choice. I can't figure out which one to get. Make it easy on yourself. See all the RCA Victor radios at your dealers tomorrow. Thanks, Bill. I'll do it. This is Phil again. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening during the past year, and may the coming year not only bring you health and happiness, but everything you've wanted. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Stuffy Singer, Marjorie List, and Will Wright. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation. Remember this famous vaudeville team? Oh, oh, doctor. Oh, you butcher. That's all I want to know. Here, here, where are you going? I'm going home. I forgot something. What'd you forget? I forgot to stay home. Aha, uh -huh, running out on the doctor, hey? Better than being carried out. Yes, it's Smith and Dale, and their act and the songs and acts of 50 of the brightest stars from vaudeville to video are in RCA Victor's exciting album, Showbiz. Listen to RCA Victor's wonderful Showbiz album at your dealers now. Everyone would like to win $5,000. You'll have your chance next week by tuning in to the Dennis Day television show. Get details of this exciting contest on the Dennis Day show next week. Consult your local program listings for time and station. Now hear John Cameron Swayze on the news on the NBC Radio Network. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1943-1944 season. Tonight's episode brings us into the new year with, of course, Jack's new tenant skit that he did for many, many years. Um, I love these shows. I absolutely treasure every single one of these new tenant skits. Um, it's a great way for Jack to do a year-in review show where they talk about the previous year and what's happened, but in a way that doesn't just present it as news, it presents it... Um, in kind of a, a fun, metaphorical way. Um, some folks really can't stand these shows. <laughs> um, basically, you have to be, be a little bit of a history buff to be interested in them, and I'm a little bit that, so it works for me. 
the one thing that will happen in these episodes, though, is they'll mention people's names, and sometimes you don't know exactly why they're mentioning the person's names. In this one, they'll mention Colin Kelly, and Kelly um, dive-bombed his plane into a Japanese ship and was posthumously granted the Congressional Medal of Honor. So that's why he's getting his name mentioned uh, on the show. Uh, this also episode also is interesting because it has a metaphor within a metaphor. Uh, there's going to be a baseball game uh, between a lot of the players in World War II, Roosevelt, Churchill, Stalin, Eisenhower, um, Hitler, are all going to be mentioned in, and Tojo as well, going to be mentioned in this baseball game. So um, it, it's just kind of a, a fun, interesting um, new tenant skit. And like I say, they're always interesting to me and then trying to figure out what they're talking about. Um, sometimes some of the references are easy and some of the references are more um, difficult to figure out um, 70 years later. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, lots of changes coming up in our podcasts um, this season. We, um, as on Tuesday, we just had uh, Jack Benny switch from uh, NBC. He's switching over to CBS, uh, and that's indicative of a lot of things that are happening. Um, the last year we talked about it was the year of replacements because so many folks were out sick or in the war or whatever and had replacements. This year, I would say, uh, is the year of mid-year shakeups because um, we have a lot of shows that, for one reason or another, had only half a year's worth of episodes, and so I have to bring in new shows to replace them, so we're going to be hearing a few new shows. Uh, starting with, um, on Saturday, we played our last Jack Haley show last week, so now we're going to start having Judy Canova episodes on Saturday, so you might want to tune in Saturday and uh, listen into a Judy Canova show. Judy's show is interesting because it has a lot of uh, the Jack Benny cast on the show. The sportsmen are, um, at least for for some of the time, are her, um, her in-studio uh, singing group, and uh, uh, let's see, I think Don Wilson's her announcer maybe part of the time. And uh, she definitely has Mel Blanc as one of the main characters on her show. Um, so you're, you're just going to hear a lot of folks that you hear from the Jack Benny show over on Judy Canova. So you might want to tune in and give her a chance. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy tonight's episode of the Jack Benny show with the New Year's, New Year's uh, skit. And um, I hope you have a great New Year. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, speaking of New Year's resolutions, here's a poem for you, friends, so listen. When the year is at the morn, resolutions fine are born. When the year is old and gray, resolutions, where are they? I have the answer here to a season full of cheer. Just resolve to start each day happy, carefree, blithe, and gay. And you know, folks, all it takes to start the day is grape nuts flakes. 
That's the answer, all right. Eat a good breakfast, do a better job. Because you need an adequate breakfast after a fast of 10 or 12 hours the night before. In fact, dietitian tells us that morning is the time we should get at least one quarter of our entire day's nourishment. Yes, breakfast is the stoke-up meal. And grape nuts flakes are certainly a swell-tasting stoke-up food. They're a whole-grain cereal crammed full of all-around whole-grain nourishment. So for 1944, let's all resolve to eat a good breakfast, do a better job. And let crisp, toasty brown grape nuts flakes help make it easy for you. gentlemen, since this is the start of a new year, we bring you a man who at the age of 20 began his phenomenal career in show business. That's right. At 30, he was a credit to his profession. Yes, sir. At 40, he was admired and respected by millions. That's me. At 50, his name became a household word. 50? <laughs> at 60, he became... All right, stop! That's enough already. For heaven's sake. And here he is, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, it's a good thing I stopped you or I'd have died of old age before the show started. <laughs> 40, 50, 60. Well, it wasn't so very long ago that I was going to Waukegan Grammar School. Why, well, no, Jack, but you were the only kid in class the teacher called Mr. <laughs> Don, they didn't call me that till I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> and anyway, Don, it doesn't... Hello, Jack. Hello, Mary. Anyway, Don, it doesn't... Fine thing. I hurry over here and nobody even notices my new dress. Oh, 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 say that dress is beautiful, Mary. But don't you feel a little silly wearing a man's necktie with it? Oh, that. <laughs> well, Dennis gave it to me for Christmas and I'm wearing it so I won't hurt his feelings. You mean Dennis gave you a... Oh, wait a minute. He must have gotten the boxes mixed up. Well, what do you mean? Well, Dennis gave me the cutest pair of lace panties, <laughs> all covered with rosebuds. <laughs> oh, gee, I'd love to have those. Jack, I'll give you the necktie, and you give me the lace panties. Well... Uh, well, Dennis really meant them for me. I know, but... You didn't lose them, did you? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> gee... Oh, so that's it. You didn't want to hurt his feelings either. Look, Mary, when someone, when someone gives you a gift... I know, I know. But, Jack, those panties were supposed to fit me. How in the world did you get them on? Oh, I didn't have much trouble. You didn't, eh? I'll bet those rosebuds are stretched to full bloom. <laughs> Never mind. Let's see, where was I? Oh, yes. Now, look, Don, the next time you make a remark about my age, you better... Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Don, the next time you make a remark about my age... What's the matter? Oh, Don's always telling people that I'm a lot older than I am, and I'm sick of it. Why don't you hit him with your cane? <laughs> Dennis, they gave me this cane with my sports suit instead of an extra pair of panties. I mean, pants. <laughs> anyway, 
To change the subject, I'm glad you're all here early tonight because we have a very important program to do. What do you mean, Jackson? You'll know in a minute, Phil. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as is our custom at this time of year, and even though it is January 2nd, tonight we are going to present our annual New Year's play entitled The New Tenant, or Goodbye 43, Hello 44. I hope you will all enjoy our latest version. Now, once again, I will play the part of the Say, old... Say, Mr. Benny, every year you do one of these plays, and I don't understand them. Well, you see, Dennis, uh, these little sketches we do at the close of each year are not so much plays as they are allegorical fantasies. Now, do you understand? No. <laughs> well, Dennis, an allegorical fantasy is like, uh, like a... Well, look, kid, did you see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> well... I didn't understand that either. <laughs> Dennis, it's all very simple. Look, at my play and Snow White are in the same category in that they both deal with the abstract and the esoteric rather than with the prosaic. Prosaic? Yes, that's it. What is? Hmm. Don't worry, Dennis. Jack doesn't understand it either. I understand every word I said. Sure you do, Jackson. How do you know, Phil? Because I'm the guy what learned it to him. <laughs> Phil, if you really want to help me keep quiet, keep quiet. <laughs> now, look. Look, Dennis. Dennis, an allegorical fantasy oh, is Oh, a... Jack, what do you want to show off with big words for? Show off? If you want to explain something, uh, do it simply and direct. Don, don't tell me how When to I want to tell somebody about grape nuts and grape nuts flakes, I don't go in for verbal calisthenics. No, Don. All but... I say is that grape nuts and grape nuts flakes are two delicious cereals that always taste like more. But look, kid... Grape nuts, crisp and crunchy... Grape Nuts Flakes, tempting, toasty brown flakes. Don, Both have a zesty, malty-rich flavor that's distinctly their own. I know, it's their own. They're made of sun-ripened wheat and malted barley. Mm -hmm. And they bring you energy-giving, bodybuilding, whole-grain nourishment. Yeah, but the you see, The satisfying, stick-to-your-ribs nourishment that fills you full of well-being yes. and helps make your mornings just zip along. Oh, it zips, it zips. I mean, <laughs> simple enough. I'm... And so eat a good breakfast, do a better job. Feature Grape Nuts or Grape Nuts Flakes. Oh, you see what I mean, Jack? You're absolutely right, Don. Come here, kid. I'm going to explain it to you in simple words like Don did. Oh, you don't have to explain it to me. I thought about it while Mr. Wilson was talking, and I know exactly what you mean. Good. Now, what is an allegorical fantasy? A prosaic bowl of grape nuts flakes. <laughs> well, look, Dennis, I'll explain it to you later. Meanwhile, in our fantasy, you're going to play a double role. The parts of the two most despicable men in the world, Hitler and Tojo. I'm going to play the parts of Hitler and Tojo? Yes. Where's Amira? Why? I'm going to spit right in my faces. <laughs> you don't have to, kid. You're only playing the parts. Anyway, you're going to be Hitler and uh, Tojo tonight. Well, okay, but I'll just hate myself in the morning. Hmm. Now, Phil, you're going to be Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam? Yes. You see, in our sketch, I will play the part of the old year, 1943 who has been living in a big rooming house called the United States, run by Uncle Sam and his wife, Columbia. Now, Mary, you're going to be Columbia. You have 48 children, one for each state in the Union. I've got 48 children? Holy smoke. 
Well, Mary, it's only an allegorical fantasy. Well, this is a fine time to tell me. <laughs> Mary, I tried to explain it to you. Your children are the 48 states. Each state is a child. Oh, well, then I better hurry and change California. It's wet again. <laughs> Don't worry about it now. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we set the stage for our play, which will go on immediately after a song. I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. What do you want, Rochester? I've been down to the stores exchanging your Christmas presents for you. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, you didn't have any trouble, did you? Only at one place. They refuse to give you a refund on your Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, well, it was worth a try anyway. And say, boss, while I was out for you, I tried to exchange a present my uncle gave me. Uh-huh. But the store wouldn't do it just because I tried it out for size. Well, that was mean of them. What was the gift? A bottle of gin. <laughs> Well, no wonder they wouldn't exchange it. And Rochester, why don't you try to reform? Oh, I did, boss. Remember yesterday I made a New Year's resolution not to shoot craps anymore? Yes, I remember that resolution. What happened to it? <laughs> Rochester, have you been shooting dice again? It wasn't my fault, boss. Some of my friends came to visit me. Yes? It was the first time a group ever came through a door on their knees. <laughs> So, uh, so you got right in the game, huh? No, I didn't, boss. I tossed a coin. Heads, I shoot craps with them, and tails, I don't. Uh-huh, and I suppose it landed head. No, boss, it landed tails. Well? As I bent down to pick up the coin, two small cubes fell out of my suit. Uh-huh. And to my amazement, Hart Chapman and March had thrown a seven. <laughs> oh. Well, I'll talk to you about that later. Where are you now, Rochester? In a phone booth on Central Avenue, and I... Get off my lap, honey. This is a high phone. <laughs> Rochester, have you got a girl in the telephone booth with you? It ain't an allegorical fantasy. <laughs> Rochester, I'm surprised. So am I, boss. She ain't the same one I came in here with. <laughs> well, Rochester, I haven't got time to talk to you anymore now, so I'll see you when I get home. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? There was a phone call from the freight company telling me to come over because your camel had arrived from Egypt. My camel? That's wonderful. Well, listen, Rochester, don't tell anybody, and I'll spring it on my friends as a surprise. Well, you better wait till the wind is with you or the element of surprise will be lost. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll take care of it. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm glad the camel finally got her. I've been waiting long enough. Sing, Dennis. Oh, 
Shining Hour, sung by Dennis Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our annual New Year's play entitled The New Tenants, or Goodbye 43, Hello 44. As the curtain rises, it's almost midnight of December 31st. An old man, 1943, is packing his bags and ready to make his exit. Curtain. Music. Columbia? Columbia. Will you come here a minute, please? What do you want, 43? Give me a hand with this packing, will you? I gotta get out of here before midnight and make room for the new tenants. Oh, yes. Little 44 will be here any minute. Say, where's your husband, Uncle Sam? Like to say goodbye to him. Oh, he's around someplace. Sam's been pretty busy lately. You said it. All your kids have been pitching in, too. Here comes one of my relatives, the Navy. Oh, yes. Hello, Navy. Hello, old-timer. Hi, Columbia. Boy, has he grown. Yep, his tonnage is almost doubled. <laughs> He's big, all right. Nice to see him so healthy. By the way, Navy, how's your wife? Oh, fine, fine. And congratulations are in order. Really? Yep, triplets. Three new battleships. Well, congratulations, Pappy. Here's a picture of them. Well, I'll be doggone. They got their mother's nose and their father's keel. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, so long. See you later, Columbia. Hey, he needs a big family. He's got two bathtubs to fill. Guess I might as well finish packing. Columbia, hand me that bundle of swing music. I'll take that with me. Here you are. Thanks. Lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. Boy, am I sick of that. <laughs> Say, Columbia, I got a few minutes yet, so I thought... Well, hello, Eleanor. Glad, glad to see you back. Mm, there she goes again. 
Hey, Columbia, I started to tell you I've only got a few minutes, and I thought that maybe before we... Oh, hello, Sam. Well, Uncle Sam, where you been? Oh, what a week, what a week. I've really been busy, been sending Christmas presents to my nephews all over the world. Well, you're working hard, Sam, but you never looked better in your life. And say, what's that button you're wearing on your lapel? I never knew you took sides in politics. Well, I don't. I don't care if it's the Democrats or the Republicans. They're both good. But that button. Well, come closer and take a look at it. Okay. Well, I'll But what does it say, old-timer? Frank Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sam, it's good to know that with all that's on your mind, you still find time for a little entertainment. That's right, and that ain't all. Look down here. Bobby socks. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, you'll never grow old. Hey, Columbia, turn on the radio. I want to hear the World Series. This will be my last chance to hear the big game. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the final game of the World Series between the United Nations All-Stars and the Axis Polecats. That's it. That's what I want. Me too. A lot of my boys is playing in that game. <laughs> For the benefit of you people who tuned in late, this is the last half of the eighth. The Axis had their inning and the United Nations are now coming up to bat. In the early stages of the game, the Axis did pretty well. They pulled a couple of sneak plays and tried to steal a few bases, but they were stopped by a squeeze play between Timoshenko and Montgomery. Those boys are sure a couple of big leaguers, all right. You said it, old-timer. And now, folks, before we resume our play-by-play description, I would like to remind you that this broadcast comes to you through the courtesy of Freedom Unlimited. That's a great product. All right, folks, the United Nations are now at bat. The coaches are George Marshall at third, Hap Arnold at first, and stepping up to the plate is Douglas MacArthur. Hear that, Sam? He's one of the heaviest hitters we got. Yep, he's got a darn good batting average, too. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, the battery for the Axis is Tojo pitching and Hitler catching. And oh boy, is he catching. <laughs> You're not kidding. And here comes the first pitch. It's a hit! Right between shortstop and third. And MacArthur is safe on first base. Well, Columbia, we got a man on first. Yes, sirree. Incidentally, folks, in the sixth inning, Mussolini got hit on the head with a ball. So now the Axis will have to get another water boy. Well, he never was much anyway. All right, folks, MacArthur is on first base, and coming up to bat is Chun Kai-shek. Koto <laughs> is winding up, and here comes the first pitch. Ball one, it's low. Doggone everything he does is low. Yep, he's been throwing some nasty curves, but our boys are getting wise to him. Chun Kai-shek is standing, grimly determined at the plate. Here comes the second ball. He laid a beautiful bunt down the third baseline, which advances MacArthur to second base. Bob is cheering Chung Kai-shek's wonderful sacrifice. I knew Chung Kai-shek would sacrifice. That's the kind of a fella he is. Yep, that's what I call great teamwork. While we're waiting for the next batter to come up, let's have a word from our sponsor, Freedom Unlimited. Ladies and gentlemen, Do you spend restless nights because of a haunting fear that you may lose your rights, your right to free speech, your right to worship as you please, 
and your right to live without fear of aggression? If you do, ladies and gentlemen, get yourself some shares of Freedom Unlimited, and you can do that by buying war bonds. Remember, folks, Freedom, spelled F-R-E-E-D-O-M. That fella sure knows what he's talking about. And now back to the game between the United Nations All-Stars and the Axis Polecats. Well, folks, the crowd is sure excited. MacArthur's on second base, and coming up to bat is Montgomery. cheering <laughs> him for his wonderful work in the field. Sure is a fine player. That's right, Sam. The pitcher's winding up, and here comes the ball. Montgomery sends a hard drive to Rommel. Rommel's going back. He's going back. He tries to stop it, but he fumbles. Rommel fumbles the ball. Hear that, Columbia? Montgomery pulls up at first base, and MacArthur goes to third. The crowd is going wild. By golly, I don't blame him. Hey, Sam, that Rommel ain't doing so good, is he? No, he ain't, and he's the best player they got. That's right. And now, folks, uh-oh, what's this? Hitler walks out to the pitcher's mound to talk to Tojo. It seems they got their signals crossed, and Hitler's worried. Was ist los, Schweinhund? Und die Knoten verstaut zu greifen, nur versehen, keine Beluten verstunden, Beluten, den Kopf. Oh, so sorry, please, so sorry, please. <laughs> So sorry, please. So sorry. Verstalten zu Kroten, Verschleichnik. Eine Minuten, Verstunden, der Roten, Verschleichnik. Ah, shut up! Come on! Come on, you started this game, so play ball. That's telling him, old-timer. Well, folks, the game's about to continue, but there's a switch in the battery for the axis. Hitler is now going to pitch. A lot of good that'll do. Hitler used to have a pretty good arm. He ought to. He exercised enough hanging wallpaper. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, Hitler is in the pitcher's box, and coming up to bat for the United Nations is Timoshenko. Timoshenko. <laughs> He'll knock Hitler out of the box and then put him in one. <laughs> Wait and see. And here comes the first pitch. Ball one. Very wide. See that, Sam? Hitler's nervous. He's winding up again, and here comes the second pitch. Ball two. You know something, old-timer? I think Hitler's afraid to pitch to him. Here comes the third pitch. Ball three. You're right, Sam. Yep, Hitler doesn't dare take a chance with Timoshenko. There it is, ball four. Timoshenko walks to first, putting three men on base. Timoshenko on first, Montgomery on second, and MacArthur on third. <laughs> <laughs> One good hit now, put the game in the bag. What a ball game. What excitement. Bases are loaded for the United Nations, and the Axis team is plenty worried. This is the tensest moment of the game, and the question is... Uh-oh. There's a conference being held at the United Nations dugout. Co-managers Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin are putting their heads together to decide on the final move, and... and... Wait a minute, folks. Wait a minute. They've reached the decision... They're sending Eisenhower to bat! Eisenhower! Yippee! Yes, sir, that's one of my boys. One of our boys, Sam. Oh, boy, I can hardly wait to see what's going to happen. I'm afraid you won't be able to, 1943. Your time is almost up, and you better finish packing. But I want to hear the end of the game. Well, I know how you feel, old-timer, but you just haven't got the time. Okay, okay, turn off the radio. Anyway, I got a pretty good idea how it's going to turn out. 
Doggone, look at that clock. Just got my duds together in time. Hmm, that's the first stroke of 12. I wonder what's keeping the new tenant. Little fella should be here by now. Well, don't worry, he'll show up. He always has. Say, here's a tip for you, Sam. You worked hard during the time I was here. You did a good job. And I want you to work even harder for the little fella that's coming in. Don't you worry, old-timer. I'm really rolling now. Hmm. Time's a-fleeting, but I can't leave till that little shaver gets here. That must be him now. Yep. Come in. Well, it's the little new year. Hello, Sonny. Hello, old-timer. <laughs> What's that you got under your arm? Some forms I'm going to try awfully hard to get signed this year. Yeah? What are they? Well, here's the most important one. It says, un, un... How do you pronounce these big words? Let's see that. Oh, that says, unconditional surrender. Well, I hope you get them signed during soon. Hey, kid, I want you to meet Uncle Sam and his wife, Columbia. Glad to know you folks. Hello, Sonny. Hiya, bub. You ought to have a coat on with them diapers. It's pretty chilly tonight. <laughs> I was sure cold the first night I got here. <laughs> well, son, I'm glad you're a sturdy little fella because there's a big ball game going on, and after it's over, you're going to have plenty to do. With all the pop bottles and peanut shells laying around, you're going to have to clean up the field and put it in order again. I'll do the best I can, sir. I know you will. But tell me, old-timer... How's the game going? Well, at the start, things didn't look so good. But after a while... Hear that, son? Yes, sir. What is it? That's being played for some of Sam's nephews. They were darn good ball players and hard hitters, too. But they were put out early in the game. Wasn't their fault. Pitching was a little too fast for them then. And it wasn't fair, either. The man that had my job last year told me that Tojo started pitching before the umpire said, play ball. That ain't baseball, son. Not like they play it in America. Well, I gotta be moseying along now. Oh, by the way, son, Uncle Sam's got a nephew called Franklin that's been taking mighty good care of him. Ain't he, Sam? You're darn too. So keep an eye on him, son. Give him all the help you can. Franklin, eh? I'll write that down. And here's some more names for you. There's Winston, Joe, Chung. whole lot more than Sam will give you. I ain't got time to mention them all right now. I'll make a note of them. Leave it to me. Hmm. One more thing, son. When I came in, there was a name given to me, and I was instructed to pass it on to you. And I want you to pass it on to the next little fella that takes over. Who is it, sir? The name is Colin Kelly. He represents all our boys who only got one turn at bat. Remember that, son. I will. Well, gotta be leaving now. Goodbye, Sam. So long, old timer. Well, here I go. So long, 43. So long, Columbia. Keep them flying.
The sponsors of the Jack Benny program, the makers of Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes, send you their very best wishes for 1944. Good night, everyone. <laughs>